You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 29. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. It's me, Dr. Kieran, here with another episode to help you bring get information that you need to heal and become optimally healthy. That's what it's all about. And I hope you'll help me welcome my special guest today, Faith Hunter. I want to tell you a little bit about her. I think you're really going to like her. I met her recently when my mom and I went to a yoga and health retreat up in Massachusetts at Kripalu. You've heard me talk about it several times because it's one of my favorite, favorite places in the world. If you haven't been, you definitely want to go. And uh, we took Faith's workshop there and it was phenomenal and it just opened me to a world in yoga that I really wasn't aware of that provided tools that I can use every day to really help stay grounded and centered and connected. Does anybody listening want to be more grounded, centered and connected? Yeah. I know you do. We all do. So that's why I asked Faith to come on the podcast and share her special secret sauce with us so that you too can be privy to the special tools that she teaches about. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Faith. She's an international yoga and meditation instructor, a wellness philanthropist, a movement motivator and healing guide, music head and spiritually fly theorist. Always eager to learn, explore, and share, Faith has been teaching since 2003 and is an inspiring and generous mentor to wellness practitioners of all skill levels. With degrees from Grambling State University and Loyola University, Faith is the owner and creator of Embrace Yoga DC, a yoga and wellness center located in Adams Morgan, a multicultural nest of Washington, D.C., she is also the architect of Spiritually Fly, a life philosophy that celebrates every moment of life and uses the technology of breath, movement, sound, chanting and music, and stillness in a fresh and modern way to encourage students to live an epic life. As a creative spirit, Faith is also a writer who has merged her love of poetry and meditation into numerous projects. Her latest is Shades of Soul, a meditation journal that blends her original poems and daily inspirational thoughts. She tours internationally teaching yoga and meditation workshops, teacher trainings, and assortment of public appearances. Welcome, Faith. Thank you. Oh, hi. How are you? It's hi. good to see you again. Good to see you. Yes, so excited to have you on and share um, kind of what sounds like really helped you during a difficult time that now you've you've solidified that and packaged that in a way that others can really benefit 
from the pain that you went through. So your pain has become your purpose. So tell everyone how you come to do the things that you do. Yeah. So I started practicing yoga back in the early nineties. And when I started practicing my older brother, Michael was actually in the hospital. He was dying from complications related to AIDS. And in that moment, you know, it was like the family was around him and, you know, it was like months and months of taking care of him. And at the time I was in grad school, um, trying to stay balanced with that. And I was also working like a part-time job in a nonprofit and, um, and doing some work with the, uh, health department in, in Louisiana as well. And one of my friends is like really randomly was like, Hey, let's go take a yoga class. I heard that yoga is relaxing. (laughs) <laughs> and you need to relax. <laughs> You're way too stressed. And then, which was correct. It was like I was. I mean, I had a lot going on. But the thing that was the most challenging was that my, my older brother was dying. And we were only four years apart. So we were really close. And I went to the first yoga class. I um, had this opportunity in that first class. I, hadn't, I realized that I hadn't cried in months because everything was about go. And it was like really quickly and things were really happening. And the focus wasn't about me checking in with my own feelings. It was about me addressing and helping to support my brother in in his transition. And when I went to class, I had no idea why I cried, but it was somewhere between a breath work and a meditation. (laughs) I just completely fell apart. And then I kept going back. And the more I went back, the more I became a little bit more, I don't want to say completely stress-free, but I was able to manage that stress in a little bit better way than, than I was. I mean, it was something that kind of awakened me to the power of, of breath and meditation. And even though I was moving my body, I was always a dancer, so that wasn't unfamiliar but the um, the introduction to this practice was one that per- was perfect at the right time. Yeah. Ah, I'm curious, what kind of yoga was it that you went to? What kind of class? Yeah, so it was really funny because the first class that I took was a kundalini yoga class. Yeah. That's interesting because they're not that common. So for no. you to end up in a kundalini yoga class was divinely ordered. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was funny because the, the name on the, 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 at the health center or whatever, all it said was yoga, nothing else. So I was like, okay. It, I'm like, I looked like it, I was like, oh, this is a little different from you brought me ye on PBS, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll still do it. Whatever the teacher says, I guess this is yoga. <laughs> And so that really started you on this path. And it sounds like it, it ended up having a lot of meaning for you. Personally. Oh, yeah. Personally, definitely. Because it, it carried me, of course, through, I feel like yoga and meditation have been, have been my lovers for a lifetime, you know, throughout my adulthood, because I was able to deal with my brother's death and kind of work through things around that. And then also I have a younger brother that's also um, diagnosed with HIV. So Um, he's, you know, he's alive, healthy, has a wife, has children, like, like he has a full life, you know? And I also, in the transition of becoming, you know, connecting with yoga and then becoming a yoga teacher also went through a divorce. Wow. Yeah. 
And so yoga and meditation have been there throughout my life. There are times where I was like committed and practiced every single day because that's what I needed spiritually. And there are other day, other weeks where it was maybe once or twice a week. And it just kind of like you may leave it for a little while. You get back on your bicycle, bicycle and keep rolling. But when I decided to become a teacher, it really expanded my kind of approach to how I can not only deal with my stress and my, my insecurities and my, my discomforts and my own health, but it also was this opportunity for me to continue to share this practice. I mean, I had friends and family members that were like, something's different, not really sure. And I was like, it's the yoga. So I'm curious because you have an MBA degree in marketing. What, what was your planned career course before all this happened? Yeah. So I initially at, right out of undergrad, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go and work for a corporate company and do marketing and communications work. But I also was in love with music. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up working for a radio station for a little while. I was like, okay, maybe I'll do this. And then I was like, oh gosh, no, that is not the path I want to go into. And so then the next piece was like, well, I'm always committed to giving back. And I've always really been interested in nonprofit work. And at the time was like right around where local communities were really raveling around education around HIV. Mm -hmm. And so my path was to work for the health department and work with nonprofits to help them reshape their organization so that they're more viable and taking my business knowledge and implementing it into a nonprofit. And so when I was in grad school, that was a, a lot of my focus was doing nonprofit work and helping them to see themselves as a for profit and run more efficiently. I thought leaving grad school and you know graduating from there and leaving Louisiana that my path would be working in DC on the hill um, with various nonprofits and doing the work that I do now that I was doing at the time um, just on a grander scale and yeah I spent years doing it I spent uh, most of my most of my 20s doing that kind of work. And it was really powerful. Then I was working for the National Minority AIDS Council at the time. And Mm -hmm. I was connecting with so many local nonprofits and helping them do strategic planning and board development. And they became friends and they became, you know, these really important figures in my life, especially some of them that were actually running their own nonprofits. And there was so much passion and commitment that when they started to die as well, it became even more stressful. So then I'm like having these almost emotional flashbacks to the death of my brother. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is not healthy for me. Mm. I have to get out of this career. And so I quit, I moved to New York and I had no idea what I was going to (laughs) do. I was like, I'm in this big city and I'm anonymous and you know, if I fall apart on the street crying, nobody's going to really care, which I did uh, several times uh, on, in the street, on the subway, you know, whatever. Because um, that was right around uh, 9-11. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was living in New York then. 
So how has, you've really had somewhat of a front row seat to death at a young age in your life. How has that changed how you live your life? You know, it really is about being completely full every single moment. It's challenging, right? It's because we, we have these flashbacks and we sometimes can get caught in the past. But what I try to do is to enjoy the people that are around me, um, make time for my family when I, when I can, and also continue to allow my heart to be open because death, um, that sense of feeling ripped apart can easily create this shell over us and almost like we, we don't have this opportunity to, to connect and join and like really, really blend our lives with other people out of fear of losing them, right? Mm-hmm. Loss, loss is really something powerful. So I try to keep myself really, really open and really rooted in the present moment. And so how has your, talk a little bit about the Kundalini yoga and well, let's talk about what that is. And then I want to talk about what it does for you, because it's a very special type of yoga. Most people who aren't familiar with yoga, and I don't think I've had anyone come on a podcast yet who's talked about yoga. So I thought this would be perfect. Um, Talk about, well, what does yoga mean? What different types are there? And where does Kundalini fit in there? And then let's talk about what it does for you. But if you want to share with everyone. Yeah. So I, um, the practice of Kundalini, as as I shared, I've been doing it for, oh my God, since the early 90s. So way over 20 some plus years. And it's this practice of energy and being able to harness the energy within you and also be able to tap into the energetic sources that are surrounding you or out there in this larger universe. It works really effectively because it plugs into lots of the the major systems within our body, the nervous system, the glandular system. And from the breath work to the movements, they're very strategically aligned so that it's almost like we're, it's our own prescription. And, you know, it's, and not only just what I really find, not only just the Kundalini practice, but several other yoga practices or all of the other yoga practices are really rooted in the science of healing the body. And what happens is that people don't recognize the power and strength in that. And they just kind of go through the movements. But if it's just the movements, it's like, yeah, I'm showing up to my yoga class and there's no intention Mm -hmm. and really deep thought around why am I doing this? Mm -hmm then nothing's going to shift and change. And I think that's the really, that's for me, that's the power within the Kundalini practice is because there is a reason behind everything. And so for me, when I teach, say, a Hatha or a Vinyasa class, mm-hmm. everything that I teach is also very rooted in thought and intention and really aligns with the chakras so that it's an energetic process and yeah, so that, I mean, those are just two different types of practices. And those are the ones that, that I'm really steeped in. Um, yeah. 
Right. So just for everybody listening, yoga means union, and it really was developed as a way to quiet the body so that the the soul could speak or the spirit could speak. And, and, well, it literally means to yoke is my understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was used, if you've ever tried to meditate and you're listening, you know how hard it is to shut your mind off sometimes. But If you do yoga, and try this if you haven't, if you do yoga first, some type of body practice, and then you try to sit for meditation, it's a lot easier because the mind is usually quieted and the body is quieted. And so it was developed as a spiritual practice to quiet the mind and the body and and kind of yoke all together with the spirit. Isn't that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, And then there's several different types of yoga that you may not be aware of. So there's the typical vinyasa, which is the flow and the sun salutations. And there's um, ashtanga yoga, which I call military yoga, which I do not like. (laughs) (laughs) Because everyone do this now. Do it like this. It's intense. (laughs) It's not, not fun in my opinion. Um, and then there, my favorite, yin yoga, mm. which is deep yeah. stretches held for long periods of time. And I really think that's key to healing because it helps to release that the energy. Uh, I've been talking on the podcast with some other guests about trauma and where it's stored in the body. And I think it's stored in the fascia and the joints and yeah. hips. And so it really helps to release that. Um, and liberate um, bound up energy for people. And then there's restorative, and then there's Kundalini, and what other types of yoga? Oh my goodness. And then it's really fascinating because within, even within the, um, within the vinyasa mm-hmm. realm, yeah, there are many different ways and techniques to actually teach it. And so you'll have everything from um, like Bikram yoga is yeah. a Hatha yoga practice. Um, and and that's, then, if you're listening that you might know that because that's what 28 poses, yes. uh, 105 minutes or degrees. And, yes. and it's, it's really hot. hot. I don't it's like It's really that. hot. I, it was perfect probably for yesterday when it was snowing <laughs> in DC. Right. But, yeah. So yeah, Bikram, what Bikram, else? What um, and then, oh my God, now I'm like totally going blank on a couple of the ones that are within the, the realm. But it's it's really about the, there's the Hatha practice, which is really simple postures and the, you know, the restorative, the yin, like mm-hmm. some of those are kind of wrapped in, falls underneath that. And then you have this really huge, con, like breath of vinyasa. And within that, there's like all these other stuff. Styles, um, which I don't like to call those types. I like to call them styles. And like even personally myself, it's a very particular style of, of Hatha mm-hmm. yoga. And so the key I think is if like, say for your listeners, if they're learning about yoga or they see something listed and they're like, Oh, let me give it a try is to really go in with an open mind because, and know that if you take one yoga class and that just didn't feel right for you, don't like cancel it out. Like, like you were saying, like the yin yoga, I mean, that's holding these postures, but then you go into restorative, you're holding postures, but you're propped up on blocks and bolsters and, you know, it's it's couch potato yoga. Oh my God. I'm like, okay, do I just want to lounge today in for an hour in in my yoga clothes? And basically that's what it is, you know? So, and then you go to Ashtanga, you know, as you were explaining, and it's like high intensity, 
it's you know, right. holding and jumping and all that. But I think the part is try it once, see how you feel. And if that didn't work, go try another style, go try another type, but do your research. Right. And then the Kundalini yoga I've heard about for years and people listening probably have heard about the Kundalini energy and Kundalini rising. And <laughs> if you're like me a while back, I was like, what is that? What? Yes. So talk to people about what that is and what Kundalini yoga is. Yes. So, um, so they're two separate pieces, but still kind of connected because they, the Kundalini yoga practice honors the flow of Kundalini energy. So in a, in a really, like I say, a beautiful esoteric way, right? You're thinking about how energy is sitting right there at the base of your spine, in our legs, at the base of the spine. And so that energy needs to go somewhere, right? It needs to go up, down, around, whatnot. So how they describe it is the kundalini energy is resting. It's kind of like a coiled snake, and it is resting and sleeping at the base of the spine, through breath, through movement, through mantra, through meditation, through, you know, all of these practices that we have, we have the capacity, even with just simple thought, we have the capacity to stimulate the snake. And so when the snake starts to rise, it starts to move up through the center of the body, which that line is called um, the shishumna. And as it starts to rise, it passes through our chakras, which are a whole nother set of energy. So then you have your first chakra, which is um, about grounding and rooting. Then you have your second chakra, which is about fluidity. And so then the snake, you know, you can keep stimulating. The snake continues to coil its way up. or The energy continues to move its way up. Then you go to your belly, which is confidence and power. And then you drop into your heart space, compassion, love, and understanding. And then you start to rise into your higher realm. So if you notice, like, the first few, the first three are almost like our basic needs. What do we need as individuals to survive and stay balanced and connected? So it's like satisfy those, then move into the heart, which is like this middle ground, which is having love for self. And then as you move to this higher realm, you move in through into your throat, which Mm -hmm. is about really pure communication. Your third eye is that intuition. And then the crown is your highest place of wisdom. And so yeah, like, to- and, you're, and then your freaking aura, like, it's huge. Like, and then what happens is that when you are stimulating these through those practices, right, allowing the kundalini energy to rise, it goes into the crown of your head. But on a very basic level, meaning your everyday life, when energy is flowing, we have the capacity to manifest what we want, to move and navigate through the world with fluidity, to have more vibrant, positive, loving relationships, right? We are motivated to, to actually go into the world and, and contribute in a broader way. It's like creating when- contribute. Con- right. Yes, create and contribute. The, if the energy's stuck down below the heart chakra and those first three chakras, then you're oh. dealing with issues of- money and power and survival and family issues, um, then it's not liberated to go to the higher levels where you can create and express. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Kundalini wants to move up, but Kundalini yoga is my understanding. It's designed to help it to move. move. It helps it to move. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So everything from the, the initial opening chant, all the way through the very specific intentional practices, which are the Kriyas, 
um, they're designed and, you know, Yogi Bhajan shared these practices, but they're designed in a way to keep the energy flowing and moving. But each set or each class that you experience is also very targeted and very intentional. So if like you want to do some personal cleansing, there's some, there a vast number of practices. You want to purify yourself, right? There's some practices. If you want to have a more open heart, there's practices. If you want to manifest abundance, there's practices. But again, it's all about getting past those basic ones and rising to your highest. Okay. And are there specific practices? I didn't get to ask you about this before that would be designed to open the throat chakra. So many women suffer with thyroid issues and I have them do some toning and things like that, but I'm just wondering in Kundalini, are there practices? Yes, there are. They're very specific. And part of two, uh, many of the practices that the Kundalini sets in Kriyas focus on the parathyroid and the thyroid. And so it's really, really important to stimulate those areas. And, you know, it's also the throat chakra energy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not just, you know, just toning and really even just like tapping into your own vocal cords, Mm -hmm. really powerful. But even the simple thing of deep breaths or exhaling with your tongue over, or your mouth open and sticking your tongue out is a stimulation of that area. Um, like the, lion's breath. Is that called? Like we go. <sighs> exactly. Exactly. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> One of my well, favorites. <laughs> can we do a little practice right now that would be focused on the throat chakra? Yeah, totally. Let's do that. So okay. I, I'll just guide everyone through like a quick little meditation and mm-hmm. then um, we'll do some, some chanting. If that's awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to close your eyes and just take a couple of deep breaths in through your nose. And we're going to exhale out of the mouth. Deep breath in through the nose and out of the mouth. One more deep breath in through the nose and out of the mouth. And then I want you to seal your lips and bring your awareness first at the base of the spine. And we're going to crawl right on up. Just bring your awareness to the base of the spine. Feel your hips rooted and grounded. And then bring your personal inner awareness to the space right below your navel center. And as we start to move up, you want to think about a sense of fluidity and openness in your life. And then focus your energy right around the navel, right above the navel. And feeling that power personal strength and connection to self. And then slowly move into your heart space. And as you move into your heart space, allow the shoulders to relax a little bit so you feel this openness through your chest. And then I want you to stop your thoughts right there on your throat. Simply think about what it is in your life where you need to vocalize something. Maybe it's one situation. Maybe it's one place in your life. Maybe it's being more vocal and speaking your personal truth at your job or in a relationship, whatever it may be. I just simply want your thoughts to stay steady on that.
And then I want you to imagine the color blue. And this is the color for the throat chakra. Maybe it's about imagining this beautiful blue scarf simply wrapped around your neck, fluid and easy. And then I want you to take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, you're going to exhale the Bija Mantra, hum. So breathe in. Hum. Three more times. Breathe in. Hum. Hum. Exhale out of the mouth again. And slowly open your eyes. Yeah. I forgot to ask if we were having a hand mudra. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> and for everyone listening, those are just hand, it's hand yoga. That you hold your hands in different positions. This is one of my favorites. I forget what it's. Oh, lotus mudra. Yeah. Padma mudra, yeah. And um, like all your fingers springing from your heart. And um, that have, they have special significance too. And what I really appreciate about the Kundalini yoga was the use, the, the intentional use of the breath work and the chanting with the hand mudras and the body. I found it was really powerful in a way that traditional yoga maybe isn't hasn't always been I I always do some type of pranayama and everybody listening that's breathing practice when I do yoga but not everyone does the other thing I was going to say earlier about types of yoga is when I I learned yoga from a woman who was particularly spiritual and she always helped to set an intention at the beginning and she talked about um, spiritual things and life issues while she was teaching. And at the end, we usually had a reading and we would own together. And then I've experienced yoga that purely was physical exercise, which is completely different. And so I was just going to mention when we talked about the types of yoga, if you're listening, if that resonates with you to have more of an intentional spiritual practice, then don't be put off if you go and try yoga and it's purely physical exercise. Mm-hmm. Just look for another place yeah. and vice versa. If you're put off by the spiritual aspect, then just find a place that deals with the, the physical exercise part. But back to the pranayamas. So the breathing techniques I had learned, so I pretty much do them when I do just regular vinyasa or yin, which I find amplifies my practice immensely because yes. it kicks in that parasympathetic nervous system. Your nervous system calms down and you just feel so good. Mm. And you're in that heal and restore and repair part of your nervous system. So I love that Kundalini, when you taught us these things, it had all that, all them goodies. Yeah. 
<laughs> I really I like how you say that. You're like all these goodies. All them goodies all wrapped up into one. And I'm thinking, I've been hearing about this for years. Why have I not done this? Oh my God. So it was like your first time experiencing Kundalini yoga. Yes. Whoa, I didn't realize that. And that's I think that's one of the reasons it was partly so powerful, but I also think that you are a tremendous healer and leader. Oh, thank you. And so your presence was tremendously powerful. So it was the two together kind of was like the one, two mm. punch together that made it so delicious. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and so if you're listening, Faith travels all over the world doing workshops. She's actually coming to Savannah soon. Yes. I highly encourage you to uh, attend one. Um, and so, but let's just talk about if you could summarize the benefits of this, these practices for you, what would you say they've been? So overall, I would say probably the top one is it's given me, it gives me and provides me and continues to provide me a vast number of tools to manage stress, anxiety. Cause I, I own a yoga studio. So I'm like, Oh my God. Uh-huh, yeah. And I travel. <laughs> so, and, and I get motion sickness on a plane and I'm like, how do I travel so much? So, much? so it's like, it gives me this ability to address my issues around anxiety and stress like immediately. And I'm in, especially on those days where I'm going I'm really, really fast. And I'm like, I need to, to slow down. And the simple thing of just taking a couple of deep breaths or doing alternate nostril breathing, which balances out the right and left hemispheres of the brain and settles and calms you down. Mm-hmm. I know I can drop immediately into my breathing practice. The other thing that this practice is, and I think specifically for me, not only just the Kundalini practice, but even the, the Hatha yoga and the practices of yin, the practices of restorative, which you've mentioned a lot about, is that those practices are extremely physically um, nourishing and healing. And I find that individuals, especially even myself, I've had injuries before. I have utilize these practices to directly target certain aspects of my being. I speak also when you think about the injuries, they have the, the practice has this really amazing ability to allow me to heal from within. So it's intention combined with actual physical movement in some way that just kind of amplifies the healing process. It's mm-hmm. like I can go to physical therapy and I think probably the one amazing thing is I used to ride a Vespa and a cab driver here in DC hit my Vespa. I flew across. All I can think about is relax as I was flying across to the other side of the street. And as a result of it, I couldn't bend my knee for weeks and so finally, I started to get a little movement. I'm going to my physical therapist. I was in physical therapy for about six weeks or six months. And then at one point, my physical therapist goes, you know, I really can't help you anymore. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, just do your yoga. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So it's like this spiritual or the third thing I think is spiritual. So spiritual aspect is also the thing that it continues to provide me because it 
quiets my mind so that I can actually listen to God. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, I guess it's three things, stress, anxiety, all of those mental pieces mm-hmm. provides me with that physical healing and then the spiritual piece. Yeah, and and that's why I I love recommending yoga for clients. I mean, the literature fully supports yoga practice for for many reasons. The flexibility training, because most people don't have that as part of their physical routine, that's immense because otherwise it's like we're getting saran wrap on our joints as we get older and we lose our mobility. So yoga is huge for that. Um, And it can be a cardiovascular and strengthening workout and the the mind quieting piece and it's documented to help with mood disorders like anxiety and depression so it's w- one of the main practices that i recommend for people particularly i find that the, the yin is is very helpful and the restorative so many people i see have adrenal issues and adrenal mm. fatigue um, and so I recommend it routinely. And for people who have trouble getting into that meditative space where the mind is quiet, they sit and they say, oh, I have monkey mind. I can't do that. Right. Yoga is huge. And if you're listening and that's you, and maybe you've heard over and over again to meditate and you just can't get your mind mm-hmm. quiet, try yoga. Try yoga. And then see what happens. And then the spiritual connection, because when the mind is quiet, that's when you can hear whatever you want to call it, God, spirit, the divine source, whatever it is, you can hear it. And then you're open to divine inspiration yes. and guidance that mm-hmm. tells you where to go and what to do and, and how to be. And you also are lowering the resistance in your body that's associated with disease. Uh, so I think it's um, it's a powerful practice. And I found Kundalini especially powerful. So I'd love it if you could share with everybody your top three action steps to move towards brilliant health that you would recommend that they do. We've shared a lot of practices. Mm. You even did a little mantra. What would you recommend the top three things that they want to do? They've, they've listened and they maybe have heard some things that they're interested in. What would you recommend? So I think the the top three would be really focus on your breath. We have in our culture, there's so much shallow breathing, which is really quick. Try to pause and elongate your breaths when you can. Even if it's just like you're going to the grocery store and you're walking down the aisle, just start to intensify the length and elongate your inhale and exhale. That's going to have like immediate effect because those long, deep breaths will start to naturally help in calming the mind. The second thing would be to find a way to sit or lie on your back or do nothing for at least 10 minutes a day. And so you, if you don't want to call it meditation, because that makes you a little, you know, that creates anxiety around you, just give yourself 10 minutes to pause and be still. Um, if it's, if you have kids, you have family, you have all these responsibilities, you know, spend an extra 10 minutes in the bathroom just by yourself doing nothing and just sitting and sitting. So the second one is find stillness, um, for at least 10 minutes a day. And then the third thing is to move your body in some way. Like the asana practice, the yoga practice is my thing. That's my jam. That may not be for everybody, but Mm -hmm. if walking 10 to 20 minutes a day, running, bike riding, 
Zumba class, like whatever it is, find a way to move your body. If you can do it every day, perfect. If it's only a couple of times a week, that's better than nothing. Yeah. So those are my top three. Awesome. Breathe, be still, move. Move. (laughs) I love it. And you exemplify her brilliant health. How would you describe what that state is? What does that mean to you? Oh, wow. Brilliant health. Um, Whoa. When you said that, it was like a lot of different things popped in my head. So the, the first one is feeling this sense of joy. Um, and I think back to when my brother was dying, I didn't have that sense of joy because death was like everywhere. And so even now, if I have a relative or someone passes or someone near me, uh, dear to me um, dies, it's like I feel it and I experience it, but it doesn't hold me hostage emotionally. So having that sense of joy um, and peace and harmony within my life, just my internal feeling. The other aspect is knowing that I have the capacity to craft and create and design my own life, Um, which I think is liberating, which is, especially for women, it's powerful because oftentimes we feel like we're trapped and stuck in situations and we have no control. And this practice of yoga and meditation has given me the strength so that my brilliance of living this dynamic life is the fact that I am creating the life that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I forgot to ask you to talk about spiritually fly. So we got to do that before we go. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about what, what exactly that means. Yeah, which is fascinating because spiritually fly kind of means what, what we've been talking about the into- entire time. Like our whole conversation has been pretty much spiritually fly um, because spiritually fly is this element of utilizing the practices of yoga, meditation, mantra, healing. Like even if it's um, tapping into astrology, even if it's tapping into Reiki, which is another healing practice, like anything, any type of healing practice or wellness practice that's going to work on the physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies. That is spiritually fly. But then it's taking that and actually moving into your daily life with fullness, with brilliance, with with joy, with passion, and doing it in a way that is true and authentic to you. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Faith, for everything that that you do, for the work you're doing and how you're bringing yoga to a a broad audience and this powerful style. And how can people find out more about you? Yeah. So my website is faithhunter.com, which is pretty simple. And then if they want to practice with me when I'm in D.C., they can go to embracedc.com, which is my yoga studio, Embrace Yoga D.C., and of course, if I'm traveling all over, definitely drop in and practice. And you can find my whole schedule at faithhunter.com. Awesome. And we'll put the links to those websites in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think that you've delivered so much information that's going to help a lot of women achieve brilliant health. And that's what it's all about. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. 
If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.